Like I want to start tracking like my fiber and protein and like those types of things without getting obsessive tracking calories. And I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I don't know any apps that like my mom tracks her stuff with my fitness pal, I think. That's what it is to you. It's interesting. Like they have everything. Like when we go out to dinner, she'll put like culinary dropout deviled eggs or whatever and it tells her how much protein is in it and so she know like that's really cool if you can do it in a healthy way it's nice to be aware maybe if i could be better now and, and like know that i need more calories because like when i used to do it, i'd be like less than a thousand calories per yeah day, like if i wasn't caring about that it's been it's been really weird or like hard because i have to eat way more than i like think i do yeah so it's it's been like I've been able to do more tracking because I have to eat so much more. So I'm not like trying to restrict at all. And the other thing that's helped too is like you plan out your meals before you even go to the restaurant or like make your Mm -hmm. meals. So like most of my meals are already plugged in and I just make like adjustments if I decide I want like egg whites instead of protein powder or something for breakfast. And so it makes it easier and less like you're less – you don't think about it really. Yeah. Which I think is the big difference. Because that's what I love the nutritionists like on TikTok and stuff of when they're not restricting, you're just like adding to things. Like if you're going to have mac and cheese, you have the mac and cheese, but you add like the broccoli, you add protein, you add whatever. So then you're like getting everything you need while still fulfilling like the craving. Yeah. I don't know. Did you guys try to get Olivia Rodrigo tickets or didn't try? Um, My little sister – Logan, I don't know if she got a code. I don't think she did. Yeah, I did not. I didn't try because I couldn't make up my mind which city I wanted to go in, and then it, and then I forgot to do the deadline. Um, and then my friend finally got a code, and when she went in, there was like they were like four hundred plus dollars, and we were like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I thought they'd be cheaper. That seems crazy. How yeah, so? Did suck. she have an equally like obsessive or like competitive ways for her concert so. that Taylor did? I think so it's also cool. that like dynamic pricing or whatever the fuck that Ticketmaster does. Like the more in demand, then like the pricing will go up as you're literally yeah, looking bullshit. for tickets. Like that's so stupid. That's such bullshit. The artists don't really like that, though, right? Like, they're kind of like, so. we'd rather more people just get their tickets and not have to pay an arm and a leg for them. That's interesting. I think Biden is working on putting guidelines and, like, laws really? around that stuff. Around fucking tickets? <laughs> around ticket He has other shit stuff. to do. I know. She gotta stay um, awake. <laughs> one of them is, though, that people who rate resell tickets will be like heavily taxed on the resale to try to uh, there are bigger scalpers people will still resale yeah <laughs> yeah but Can like there are some like that, racism or world hunger or abortion like, rights and <laughs> well there is a problem with Ticketmaster because it's literally a, mon- a monopoly yeah no that which is, is supposed mission. to be illegal and i mean it definitely like then supports all the privilege and classism and racism and everything that will make it more literally rich white people getting tickets. Mm-hmm. Rich white people making money uh-huh. off of people that need tickets. Damn. 
So I'm a huge Chiefs fan now. (laughs) (laughs) They're a really good team. I'm going to be obsessed. I was like, the Dolphins are playing. I was like, go Barrios. I was like, how do you know him? I was like, TikTokers dating him. (laughs) Same thing with like uh, Isaac Rochelle on the Raiders. I'm like, oh, the Raiders are playing. That's exciting. Literally saying. Isaac's out there. And Alex Earl's boy, like all of them. I'm like, yeah. ooh, football's semi-interesting now. If the girlies are dating them, I'll pay attention. <laughs> it is so Cardinals funny. kicked the Cowboys' ass this weekend, and it was so good. Really? Mm-hmm. I did see part of that game. The Cowboys. Not really. Like, I was fucking annoying, but... so it's kind of nice to beat them. Um, oh, I was going to maybe say, think of something. Oh, it's funny how many times the like the Cardinals versus Cowboys game or like the Bears versus um whoever they were playing. The Chiefs. The Bears versus the Chiefs, right? I don't know. Anyways. Okay, that doesn't that doesn't count. Um the other games that were not the Chiefs, how much they showed Taylor at the game. Like it was like the the Cardinals versus um Cowboys game and they were showing Taylor Swift at the Chiefs game. <laughs> Even, yeah, it's like completely That's so funny. It's just so funny. In the Cardinals TikTok account, they just did a video asking the players their favorite Taylor Swift songs. Like smart. everybody's really getting in so on the smart. Taylor Swift thing. Yeah, that's funny. And Travis Kelsey gained like over six hundred thousand Instagram followers in the one day. Holy shit! No, he didn't really. That's so hilarious. he's like, he's doing this thing. It's like when um. I post a really emotional video on TikTok that people connect to and they impulse follow me and then they start seeing more of my videos and they're like, wait, why did I follow her? I don't <laughs> care about her content. Like all of these girls that are like, Taylor Swift is dating him, followed him. And then they're gonna be like, this guy keeps posting annoying football shit. Oh, why as soon as him? she's done, <laughs> everyone's gonna be done. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what's funny though? That made me think so hard about like all of these headlines and like the date, like their boyfriend and girlfriend, all this stuff was like Alex podcast being like, no guys, we literally have just gone on dates. We're mm-hmm. like seeing each other. We're getting to know each other. We're seeing if we like want to make this mm-hmm. legit. I'm like, wow, how many fucking like relationships have we looked at over the years that are like, oh my God, they're in love and they're going to get married. And they've been on like three dates. That maybe. would be so hard. Yeah, I see some really delusional Taylor fans on Twitter talking about that think they're like going to get married. Delusional things. They've hung out like like, twice, right? Yeah. Like, that's well, that's like, I didn't even think it was real. Like, I'm thinking, don't you think that she probably met his mom before that? Or do you think that that could have been like a first meeting? Probably like a first meeting. Maybe like one. Actually, maybe I would go to a game, I guess, with a mom meeting. Yeah. It's kind of a casually way to meet. That's like a flex first or second date too like come sit in my box and then i'll take you out to dinner after you know like just come to my game you know that could have been like a second date yeah like second for her that is very calculated of like making them move to go do that yeah and it's like well that'll be good press for me so why would i say no yeah. 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 I'm so shocked. I thought like he was saying way too many things and she was like not digging it and it was not real. But it's probably not that real. It's probably well, not it's that probably just it's the beginning. Probably, it was like two dates, three dates maybe. Yeah. Because if you think about like the if you've like been on dates before, like 
your third date with a guy is like I you know I really don't know where this could go like yeah. I have no idea and even you don't like, like every single person you go months, on a date with yeah even like three months in you're still like getting to know them and like you might act more coupley, but you're still like in the process of getting to know them. Yeah. You're not like a hundred percent committed. Hell, I've been in like a year thing with somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So it's like, um <laughs> like imagine these celebrities and people are like, they're gonna get married. And you're like, no, we're not that serious. It seems like Taylor Swift is experimenting currently though, because she's like dating outside of her type. Yeah. Like Maddie Healy. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey's cute. They also like, probably now that I type. think now that I see that Maddie Healy stuff, though, I'm like, they probably went on one singular yeah. date. Oh yeah, they definitely <laughs> were just like friends having sex for sure. But maybe Ugh. they weren't. Maybe they well, just, they were like, like friends before. Yeah, yeah, they were probably just like yeah, or just hanging, using each other. Yeah, yeah or, or they were seeing some headlines. Mm-hmm. We're still just still very devastated that we're not going to see them. They're like going to Denver. They're coming to Denver on like Saturday, like this Saturday, and then Shania Twain is playing at ACL on Saturday. What? And like, yeah. Or wait, when are no Shania Twain's playing on the Saturday that like is ACL, and That's then the so following weekend they're like headlining on Saturday for ACL. So like, but like it's the second weekend of ACL. So we don't who's have to they? Wait, yeah, I thought you were talking about Travis Kelsey. Oh. <laughs> no, sorry, oh, Maddie Healy. Like, oh. Yeah, 1975. That's cool. And he really wanted to see them. He really likes them. But Interesting. Would have never guessed that. I used to like 1975 in my like 2013 Tumblr days. Oh, those were the days. I didn't even know who they were until this year, but that's not really surprising. Really? Or like last year. I met them at an album signing back in the day. You did? Really? The first album, yeah. Where is that album? Did you Obviously get a signed, album? signed in Phoenix? I think it was a CD. Yeah, that's cool. That's pretty cool. I would think you would know Brit, like the British people, because <laughs> your family. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I like knew their songs. I just didn't know it was like them. Yeah, I mean, they've never been like too mainstream. I don't think at all. Mm-mm. Um, yeah. I saw Coldplay last week, and it's very good. But I was literally like so drunk. Cameron's sister <laughs> gave me half an I edible. I would need to be too. Oh. And oh, I've no. never taken an edible and drank at the same time except the first time that I ever took an edible. Like first time ever smoking weed at anything. We took an edible and then we were like, oh, didn't kick in. Let's get drunk. And then it all kicked in. Oh my god. And I don't funny. know. <laughs> I don't know if it was this. It was literally three milligrams that I took. So I don't know how much it could have like affected me. But I was on one, like I was drunk. I peed outside, like on the street, because I That's had also to. Not surprising to me. I had <laughs> to. <laughs> like I was like, Mostly guys, because- I'm gonna pee my pants. <laughs> yeah that's exactly why you're not doing it like because you're too drunk you're just like i pee all the time and i have to go right now it was before the concert (laughs) so i was like i have to or i'm gonna pee my pants and like ruin this for everyone that wouldn't be good but yeah the whole time i was just like these only they only played four songs taylor played 44 (laughs) like i kept just saying how short it was and how like not good it was it was good but i was just did they not really play that many songs 
Apparently they did, but in my mind, it felt like they did not whatsoever. I was like, they only played like six songs. And everyone around me was like, no, (laughs) they played lots and lots of songs. That's funny. Were they only six that you knew? See, that was another thing is I also felt like I knew all the songs. Like I was like, I didn't know that I knew Coldplay and it felt like I knew all of them. I think at concerts, like even if I'm not drinking, I just kind of black out like – even with Taylor Swift and stuff, I couldn't tell you like the set list order and stuff. Like I kind of just black out and then suddenly it's over and I'm like, whoa. That's why you need to go to concerts more than one time. I should. I've never done that. Mm, I don't do you do that? that? Yep. Care to share more? <laughs> <laughs> this is why this is why, this is why I keep um, talking. <laughs> I I love if I really love someone, I can't just go to one of their shows. Like the same (laughs) Yeah, like the Born This Way Ball. I went to four shows. And you travel. LA Goldings. Yeah. Just LA, Phoenix, and Las Vegas is usually where I will go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. LA Goldings tours. I always go to like multiple shows. Were you buying those tickets on your own? Like how old were you at that point? Yeah, because I was not buying my concert tickets in high school. So. Yeah. I took what my mama would give me. A lot of times I was using like my leftover college loan money. (laughs) I had so many friends who did that. How did that work? That's always – that's confusing to me. Because like – They just send you the money? give you a loan and they would send you extra money to like buy your books and shit like that. Like just a check. So like they would give you – yeah. So they would like pay off – your statement for your school and then they would send you the rest that was left over to do with it what you will wow that's crazy was there a lot left over probably like a thousand dollars or 1200 or you know enough to buy a couple concert tickets and a shitty place to stay and you're still paying that off right Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's so crazy (laughs) you're like i'm still paying off my illegal (laughs) tickets (laughs) <laughs> Those Ellie Goldie tickets ended up being like whatever, three thousand dollars worth. Like loans are so crazy. Like when I see the people who are like doctors and they're like, originally I got loaned forty thousand dollars and now I owe a hundred and thirty-two thousand and it's like, what the fuck? I know. And the fact that they banks literally are giving you all this fucking money when you have no idea anything about money. Like my sister has like forty plus thousand dollars in loans. She didn't graduate, so Mm. she doesn't have a degree, and she doesn't know how to manage her money. She she makes like $60,000 a year, so her student loans are saying that she needs to pay $250 a month, but she never has $250 a month left over. Yeah. And also, they're parent-plus loans, so they're under my mom's name too. So my mom is fucked, yeah, if Lexi doesn't pay them. Whoa, that's so, that's so crazy. Up. Like, it's so like, hard my as mom, a parent. I know. My mom is also trying to buy a house, and my sister's loans are affecting oh her God, credit no. to buy a fucking house. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. That but is like, so also, crazy. Back when my sister was getting the loans, the bank wouldn't just give it to her because my mom made too yeah. much money. Yeah, And so it was either, like, either get these Parent Plus loans or you can't go to college. Like, sorry. Like... It's just a fucking scam. 
That is so horrible because, like, as a parent, you either have to pay out of pocket for the education, mm-hmm. which would be very expensive right off mm-hmm. the bat, or you have to have them get a loan and try to teach them money, and then, yeah, it falls back on you. Mm-hmm. That That's- is crazy. Yeah. Same with, like, and apartments when and everything, like, co-signing and everything. Like, as a – like, my mom co-signed our first – apartment out here and everything because like we just couldn't get approved mm-hmm. well yeah my dad is co-signed on my house and he's always going to be like yeah like so that is on his credit like he owns two home he has two house loans which is kind of crazy but a lot of people own a lot of real estate so i don't feel like that should really matter yeah i don't understand how that works honestly of like because obviously house know, loans, guys, the, guess our mortgage, $300 of our monthly mortgage actually goes towards yep. paying off our loan. $300. It's oh my God. Like that's never going to be paid off. That is crazy. That that's is why I switched insane. my loan to like, or when the interest rates were lower, I switched it to a 15 year. So like I was paying that's like good. thousand, like thousand plus every month was going to that's right my mortgage instead of whatever it was before because i was so tired of like ne- i was like what do you mean like, like, what <laughs> fraction of this is going to my house but there's all different strategies that i've learned like that makes sense to not put that much money into your house yeah I get it. yeah that's the whole thing is like at the end of the day money is it even real <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you're paying money no matter what <laughs> every month so and then taxes like you're you're getting taxed on your income and then you're paying taxes for the things that you buy and the people who made those things had to pay taxes and to sell it to the store they had to pay taxes like everybody's paying taxes in a circle it's just ridiculous (sighs) okay well welcome to another episode of so glad we're friends i'm maggie i'm Devin. i'm Brittany. (laughs) <laughs> this will be a much more exciting episode yeah. starting right now <laughs> sorry that was a downer <laughs> um so today we are going to be talking about influencing as a job and kind of more getting into the assumptions the job responsibilities if it is a real job or not and we pulled you guys and asked you some questions as well so we'll answer those how did didn't we like come up with this idea for a reason like, I thought there was something about somebody saying it wasn't a real job or something that – or, like, some TikTok or something. I don't remember. I don't really recall how we came up with this idea. I think it's just I been think a we're, since we talked about it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And it um, kind of, like, comes up in every day or, like, most – a lot of our episodes. We're trying to think of like clickbaity titles. Yeah, we want you to <laughs> – Maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> This one did really well on YouTube, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I found some – I read this article that was about influencing as a career and everything. And this girl, Vicky Sagar, she said that influencers have been discredited for a decade. People used to believe that influencers could be paid to support and promote any brand, but they're increasingly understanding that the creator is in control. 
Um, and she says that a boost in confidence from brands to spend big on influencer partnerships, they estimate that the influencer marketing hub shows the creator industry is now worth over $21 billion. And that's a really interesting part about it that I was like, whoa, maybe this is so true. It says, Sagar believes a significant reason why many people still shun influencing as a real career is because of the lingering age and gender biases. Influencing is one of the few industries, she says, that is dominated by young women. Women have been discredited in business since forever. If influencer marketing started off as being dominated by men instead of women, this would be an entirely different business. A thousand million percent. Totally true. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. So anytime I start to look at like if I zoom out of influencer marketing, I'm just like, how the fuck do people like actually think this isn't a real job? Because Mm -hmm. like $21 billion is not nothing. One. There's so many creator startups happening, which like you don't start something up if you don't believe that it's going to be successful. And like there's a reason to like there's billions of dollars being put into like creator startups that support the creator economy. And there's so many different ways that like now marketing is like putting a huge focus on it. So if like a marketing strategy is dependent now on influencers in order to be successful, how is it not a job? This says that they did a survey of 4,000 agencies and brands and 82% of them says that they dedicate an influencer budget for marketing. Yeah. And that number is continue to grow. such a gender thing because we are literally out here running full businesses. Mm -hmm. But like people just see it as, oh, they're just posting their silly little instagrams to their about of their silly little outfits you know like because it's a female dominant thing it's just like silly and not serious meanwhile we're literally running businesses one of the things i was thinking about with this is we almost perpetuate it though because Mm -hmm. our goal is to make it look effortless we're not trying to like show you like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I work so hard. I'm like, no, I'm just posting this and like this is my life and this is airy and breezy and beautiful and like all of these different things. And so I sometimes think that we perpetuate it and we almost like gaslight ourselves into like, oh, we didn't really have to like work that hard. And there's a lot of rhetoric on the internet of like, oh, I just made $10,000 for this post and it took me like five minutes. And like, you're downgrading and downplaying how much effort and time it goes into like doing that and not like I don't think a lot of people tell the full story because our goal is to make it feel just like you're so right I think I do that all the time like because of insecurity of like Mm -hmm. feeling like did I work hard enough or whatever so then I feel like I need to downplay it or like just try to think of it in my mind of like am I actually working is this real work blah 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 but then you're so right as soon as you like zoom out whatsoever you're like oh okay this is like actually a legit business I'm doing a shit done yeah I think coming from working like a 40 hour nine to five not corporate but like corporate structured job and -hmm. being taught that like my self-worth and my productivity is sitting at a computer desk for eight hours a day, it's really skewed my view of productivity. So now when I'm like able to sit on my couch and do other things during the day and like I get stuff done quicker and I have more free time, I'm like, wow, exactly. what the fuck? I'm not being productive enough because I'm not sitting at my desk for eight hours. 
a day yeah I think that also that triggers me of like high school too of me switching to online school and when I was in online school everyone was like you're taking the easy way you're laying in bed doing your homework or whatever and I Mm -hmm. felt the exact same thing I was like oh I'm not in real school I'm not doing real work I'm not doing like I'm taking the easy way because just because people told me that but like at the end of the Mm -hmm. day I was still doing the same work I was just in mm -hmm. bed Wow. I never thought of that before. I never connected that. And now I'm like, whoa. That's (laughs) probably a huge You've been dealing with that shit for a long time. Yeah, that actually is like, whoa. And I did online for college at the end and it was the same thing too. Whoa. It was just like jammed into your brain that like if you're not sitting somewhere at a desk – if you're, you're not having home, to do it then for you're like not eight being hours. productive. It's not Because don't you even feel more productive if you go to a coffee shop? Like, don't yeah. you feel more like, oh, I did actual work? <laughs> and also, yeah. I feel like I have to be, like, miserable in order for me to, like, be doing something yeah. good with mm-hmm. my time. That yeah. I also think That's plays true. into, like, women also are not taught to brag about themselves or, like, share their accomplishments the same way that men are so it's like very true. you're constantly being told that like you should be more humble and practice humility and stuff and it's like if we took more pride in our like wins and our accomplishments i think that would also change the narrative in the conversation but most people it they feel shameful when they're like oh i made over a hundred thousand this year like that's like oh, you can't talk about that. You can't share that information. Like, that's off limits. Mm -hmm. Or even just, like, the posting and stuff. Like, people perceive that as not being humble or, like, being too focused on yourself. And then they're like, oh, people call me a narcissist, attention whore. You're, like, the least. (laughs) My day. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't think And it's men that do that. Exactly. How hard it is to post every fucking day. That is hard. I'm trying to build a business. I'm not trying to get your attention because I want attention. I'm literally building a fucking business. Yeah. They somewhat do understand, I think, because they're not doing it. Uh, Well, like, I guess, well, partly I feel like they assume, like, oh, you just take a picture really quick and then, like, put it up and then that's it. Even though literally just posting something takes, like, 30 minutes at least (laughs) to, like, even just get something up and then post it on multiple platforms also. But, like, they don't see all the behind the scenes that goes into it. So they perceive influencing as the same way that they use social media. So like yeah. if they're using social media to where they just throw up a photo, then they perceive that we're doing that as well. And like that, that's easy to do every day. Or they think like, oh, I would never, I, they're too embarrassed or shy, or that's just not their thing to post about their life on social media. And that's fine. But then they, like, project that onto you. Like, well, obviously, you're an attention whore if you're spending all that time sharing what you did today on TikTok. Because I would never do that. And I don't like attention. So, obviously, you do like attention, you know? like mm-hmm. Or how you're saying, like, the need to, pers- like, show yourself feeling miserable or, like, not enjoying it because it's work. Because I think you hear other people in their jobs say how much that they don't like it or that Mm -hmm. they want to get out or do their own thing or whatever. And then it makes you feel like you have to be like, oh, like this isn't that great either. Like these are the downsides or. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that there's so much of the time people are just jealous and like envious of the lifestyle that's been created. And 
you just don't see like the other parts of it. Like, are you willing to record most of your day? Are you willing to like sit there and spend hours editing? Are you willing to like spend so much time like doing engagement and all of those other things? Like it's people just see such a fraction of it and assume what it is and they just don't realize like exactly how much time it is and that there are no breaks unless you like take a physical break and then you're kind of risking like playing the risk and reward of like what happens if I take this like extended break yeah like a weekend I just realized that I think we equate hard work with being miserable or uncomfortable and because we love our jobs and what we're doing we're not like miserable or uncomfortable or any of those words while we're doing our jobs so then it feels like we're not working hard because being Mm -hmm. miserable equals working hard you know yeah exactly and like you're you're like sacrificing something and in order to like be successful you have to sacrifice like your time or your happiness Mm -hmm. or whatever it is yeah totally and I think it's hard also like there are downsides like when we talk about oh like it is hard work we do do all of these things or like that video that Michaela made where she first got canceled almost where she was she like sat down uh, she was just like this was the longest day like I haven't had a break whatever try being an influencer oh yeah try being an influencer for a day for a day yeah And, like, I think that is different. Like, I don't think we're saying, like, a thousand percent. I'm thankful for my job. I understand that it's a privilege that I get to stay home. I feel bad for Cameron when he's waking up at 630 and leaving to go to the office. I understand that that's harder in a sense of, like, I wouldn't want to do that. I'd rather be at home. I'd Mm -hmm. rather be doing this than be a nurse. I understand that being a nurse, being a teacher is harder. Like, all those things – they can be like separated and those jobs can still be very like appreciated and not looked down on whatsoever. And this can just be fully a separate job. Like I think if we worked for a media company and we're on salary and everything, it wouldn't be perceived the same way by outside people. And I think within us, it would be perceived differently as well. You know, what's funny. We but talked about this thing. last week, I think. Um <laughs> <laughs> I shut up, okay. <laughs> How um Maggie, you were saying that a lot of people once creators once they start podcasts, they start saying that I'm a podcaster mm-hmm. instead of a content creator. The, oh my god, and I just realized, you know who started the podcasting business and career? Men. Damn. So podcaster is a job title that is taken more seriously than content creator or influencer. So, you know, as soon as a podcast is successful, like you're just going to start saying your job title is is a podcaster. Oh, I have a podcast. Not like I have three successful social media accounts that I run. And even if you were a social media manager for another business, that would feel more like a job. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that I also have a hard time with is – the fact that like I felt like my old job was really great. I had a great like work-life balance. I got to do what I love for the most part. Like there's certain things that like it's every fucking job. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel the need to be like I am so grateful for this opportunity every day or like anytime something True. crossed my plate. I'm like, oh, I landed a really fucking big client or like I got a really mm-hmm. big deal at my old job. Like, I didn't have to be like, oh, I'm so grateful for this, like, Mm -hmm. blessed. Like, but this job, I think that, like, everyone expects you to say, 
I am so grateful for this opportunity. I am so grateful for, to be here like every fucking day. You have to have and a I disclaimer. Just don't think that's, yeah. It, well, it's qualifying too. I think like everyone expects you to, you, or you can't just say something. You have to qualify it like, mm-hmm. oh, but I'm, you know, this today was really hard, but I'm so grateful for this job. I'm yes. so grateful for mm-hmm. this community. I'm so yeah. grateful, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, there's, n- I think that people just underestimate how hard it is to work for yourself. It is mm-hmm. not it a is fucking so hard. fucking uh, like I talk about this a That's lot, hard. but I used to say like once I work for myself and I can quit my job, I'm gonna be so happy. Like I'm gonna be living the best mm-hmm. life I've ever lived. And then that happened, and it fucked with my mental health even more because I was like, wait, I'm not more happy. Like this is yeah really stressful, I, and it fucks with your mental health so much. I think back to a year ago, that was three of the hardest months of my life I think yeah when you first like, quit your job when I first quit my job and I just tried to downplay it because I was finally like living this dream mm-hmm. and this like a big accomplishment I'm like oh my god I I made it like I quit mm-hmm. my job and my boyfriend's working with me and like we live in our dream place so I am grateful but I was suffering and it was so so mentally hard that's the thing through. is there's always like downsides and because people on the outside perceive that as like the end all of like that's the goal if I can work for myself or work at home or whatever that's what's going to make me happy like you're saying and then it Mm -hmm. doesn't and then people are like oh there's new downsides to everything it's like the Kardashians experience a lot of downsides in life that I don't experience that I wouldn't want to experience and just because they have all the money in the world and everything doesn't mean that they're just like happy all the time But I think that's something that's hard for me is like when I'm talking to other people who don't like their jobs, I really feel a need to either dumb it down and like make it seem bad or to be like, but you can leave. Like I I really try to – like I'm always like, but why would you stay in this job that you're so miserable in? Like why don't you go back to school? Why don't you apply for other jobs? Why don't you try a new field or whatever? That's also something again is like if you hate it so much, why don't you leave it? (laughs) Yeah. Which is, I understand it's harder than just like, just leaving a job you hate. But at the same time, like, I think that we are brave in a sense for doing that. Mm-hmm. The other thing I had written down was like, a lot of other jobs, there is a playbook and there is an outline of like how you're going to be successful. And it's like a rinse and repeat thing. Like, you can put anybody mm-hmm. in that position and then they can go and take off and, you know, be really successful at it. And you have uh, – and, like, that's even minus, like, the support and the management and everything else that's, like, behind you for it and helping you troubleshoot through problems and things. But with, like, being a creator, it is different for every single person. Like, there's obviously things that, like, work well across the board, but truly it is – you – you have to be successful in your own way and you have to figure out what that means for you and you have to figure out like what direction that is and there's really no like recipe book for how that's going to happen and that makes yeah. it so much harder it's that like uh, typically if you're a content creator full-time and you or a business owner freelance or whatever you're you have really high expectations for yourself so anytime you like reach maybe a goal that you had set for yourself it's still never good enough to mm-hmm. yourself but like when you have a boss or a manager or something it's good enough for them you know because it's not you mm-hmm. but when it's yourself it's hard it's to the outside just, approval 
and mm-hmm. our outside approval is from our audience, basically. Yeah, but like just like never being good enough for yourself. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. Do you think it does like you were saying that influencers don't want to come off as that it's such a hard job or you're like not fully showing the behind the scenes of everything? Like I wonder if that would change things or help because of this this article that I originally found that had those other points. Um, It's about this girl who does like she has curly hair and she makes videos about like taking care of your curly hair and everything. But she has like 10 employees and she like wrote down all the schedule of Monday and Tuesday. She has meetings. Wednesday, she films content. Thursday, like all of our schedule is the same thing, but with a bunch of employees and stuff. And people who just follow her aren't seeing any of that. Like they're just seeing the videos get posted and stuff. So they're not seeing all of her hard work that's going into it. And I do wonder if that would like change people's view of the job because I also see a lot of people make TikToks where they're like talking about an influencer showing their to-do list and they're like going to Target in the post office and it's like, Mm -hmm. that's my day. (laughs) Yeah. I think if influencers sat down and actually shared kind of more in depth of what they were doing every day, like going to Target is not really like part of your – it's part of your job, but what are you doing at Target? You are recording at Target. You Mm -hmm. are – fulfilling like you might be getting props for something like if you wrote that part of your target trip down then that would make it seem more appealing but influencers are doing that sort of shit where they're like mm, i'm i have to go to target today that's my job that's what i'm getting because that's today. what's entertaining yeah and that's what people like to see and but then once like, they get too big and stop that then they're like oh you're too big now you're not relatable anymore you have a bunch of employees and you're very rich and you live in a big house like it's not the same content yeah. anymore that's yeah. hard. i think hard. that like whether you have employees or you don't have employees i think if you shared more if people shared more of that style of to-do list i think it would help people take it more seriously and that, I don't know. I'm curious, like, what the perception is of male creators because male creators are much more – they share a lot more of that stuff. They're like, this is how I run my business. This is yeah. how I'm mm-hmm. successful and bought my Gucci watch. Like, Well, yeah, see, then of. I feel like yeah. that's also how it turns into this is how you be an influencer more type of thing and then coaching and whatnot. If you're, like, fully going into the to-do list of, like, then I'm emailing this brand and that's I'm going so in this. And then it turns into, like, how do you email brands? And then it's, like, then your post – I don't know. Then your content turns more of that. I feel like that's what boys do. Yeah. That's yeah. actually very true. I also think – to be quite honest, like that's why I tell people I have a marketing agency when they ask me what I do and I don't say I'm a creator. Because I say it's, I yeah, work in social I say, media marketing. Yeah, me too. And then they're like, what do you po- – What do you-? and then they press me for more details. And I'm like, okay. I'm just going to start telling people that I'm an influencer because people understand what that means now. And I understand. literally would not. Like this is how it goes. They say, what do you do? And I say, I work in social media marketing. And then they say, oh, that's cool. Do you like work for a brand? And then I say like, no, I freelance and work with different brands. And then they're like, cool. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> but we should be yeah. able to just be like, I'm an influencer. Yeah. And then that's the whole thing of content creator and influencer. And I know. But influencer like, you know, is more looked down on than content creator. When I say content creator, people are like, what kind of content do you create? And I'm like, well, I'm like an influencer. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So like saying content creator, they don't understand what that means. Yeah. 
Um, in the poll that we posted on our story, 77% of people said that it is a job, 4% said it's not, and 19% said they don't really know what goes into it. Who the fuck is that 4%? <laughs> um, and then when we asked no, the assumptions about like what tasks we do and what actually goes into it, um, somebody said like idea generation, execution, editing, planning finding sponsorships, reviewing contracts, planning shoots, editing content, and more, Um, work for sponsorship things, and maintain relevancy, which I thought was really interesting because it is so true. There's like a whole piece of influencing that's like besides any actual like working with brands or anything, there's also so much work that is just maintaining your individual brand that you're not specifically getting paid for, but overall Mm -hmm. it increases your money. Yeah. That's, I think, another hard part of, like, being a creator is, like, there's all of these tasks that you have to do that don't necessarily bring you in income unless, like, you're a YouTuber or, like, you are Mm -hmm. part of a program that's paying you, which, like, those – you can't really – you can't really rely on those other programs. I think you can rely on, like, YouTube AdSense, but, like, not everyone's doing YouTube. So it's, like, 90% of the stuff that we do on a regular basis is just, like – I don't even know if you could call it maintenance. Like it's just working to just get at equilibrium Maintain in order to like make money and go off and do other things. Like you have to do so much more work, but the maintenance side of it is so much time. I think that's why it does. We qualify it differently in our own minds or other people do because there are so many people who do social media for fun or whatever and they're not making money and they're doing all of those, the 90% of things without the working with brands aspect. And then it's like, That's that's what's considered the work, even though like our podcast is work because it then like gets us into different communities and expands us within this. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, all the little different things are still work. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like work until it's like something that's directly to correlated do. to bringing in money that you have to do. Yeah. That's another that's thing an that makes social media feel like it's not a real job for me. Like you don't have on top to. of like not being miserable doing it, but like I'm also not getting Whoa. paid for 95% of the work that I'm doing. Yeah. It definitely Are also is has to though, because like f- when you're working with other people, like if I'm working with you guys on the podcast, I feel more committed to doing that work and it feels like actual work. If I'm working with a brand where I have a contact where I'm needing to talk to them, that feels a lot more like I'm dedicated to that versus me just yeah. like trying to make myself do things. Mm-hmm. I like that's a really good point about just the pe- there's so many people that now do social media for fun and they like have a different job bringing the income and I think that the fact that there's just like a lot less pressure for those people mm-hmm. and it's not like like they could post or they could not post mm-hmm. so it's still fun for them and I think you get put in a different mindset when you're like oh I'm just going to post this picture because I'm going to like it's gonna is enjoyable for me. I'm gonna get something out of this. Like you know, it's it's fueling my creativity or whatever. But they could also skip a week, and it doesn't really matter either way. And like they're not really looking at the number of comments or the shares or the likes or the views in the same capacity that somebody who's doing this full time and trying to make it a career. 
yeah too. i was just explaining to my friends that we have to send screenshots of analytics and stuff they were like wait what you have to like send that to the brands i'm like yeah like sometimes beforehand they need proof that you're gonna be good mm-hmm. to work with and bring them a profit some you need to do it after the fact so that way they can make sure like there's so many little things like that that people just like don't know is part of the process a lot of people asked me how influencers even make money And the way that I like to explain it is kind of like how newspapers make money. They make money from advertisers being able to put their ads in the newspaper and you pay like more if you have a bigger ad or in a better space or whatever. So like if more people are seeing it, you're going to pay more for that ad. But basically newspapers only make money from advertisers And the advertisers go into funding their ability to write good articles and to do a lot of research and hire good employees. So like the advertisers are basically paying so that this magazine can be good and reach a wide audience and be legitimate so that they can advertise there. And that's the same thing with influencers and getting sponsored posts. Like some months I'll get paid $20,000 $20,000 and some months I'll get paid $0. And mm-hmm. those funds just have to keep me going through the months that I'm not getting any money. That is the best analogy because it's like you're going to pay more for an ad in New York Times than you would from the mm-hmm. Arizona Daily Star. Or like if people are yeah. paying for an in-feed post or a front page promotion rather than right. in your stories or deep in the pages. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. And advertisers, I mean, like, network television, they also are funded by advertisers. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you have an NBC, they're making a shit ton of money because advertisers are paying a bunch of money to be shown on their, like, TV shows. Like, when Grey's Anatomy used to be on, well, Grey's Anatomy is still on, but, like, they're going to pay extra money to be during the Grey's Anatomy slot or the Super Bowl slot versus, like... I don't know what else is on NBC anymore. (laughs) But like that's how they make all of their money is advertisers. That's it. Wow. That's like perfect. Should we read some assumptions? Yes. Let's read assumptions. I was going to say – oh, my fucking God. Oh, that um, people – sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That influencers all have a different breakdown of income percentages. Like one influencer might make the most money from brand collabs. One might make the most from affiliates. One might make the most from selling their own course or having merch or whatever. Like the percentage Mm -hmm. of breakdowns might be very different depending on the person. Yeah, Yeah. but I think the majority of influencers make the most of their money from sponsored posts or ads. The other thing I think that legitimizes like this business too even more so now is like so many influencers are being hired to speak on behalf of brands or like teach brands like how to do things or provide the perspective like any you know a lot of like those amazon influencer events like they pull influencers up and they're sharing their perspectives on like why it works and like how it works and things like that and i think there's so many more conferences that are like that, that are tapping influencers to like come up and teach and like share that perspective too. And they're like heavily relying on them to make things happen. Yeah, for sure. That's the thing is it's only going to continue growing. I think that's a 
huge thing I used to hear mostly from older people is like, oh, well, that's going to die out or like social media marketing won't be around forever. But like there's only proof that it will just continue to grow. Yeah. Okay. I think like the biggest assumption is one that I'm looking at now. You make a ton of money. I do not. (laughs) Yeah. So like, again, going back to kind of the whether you're advertising on the New York Times or like the Tucson Sun, you know, you're. I am the Tucson Sun. (laughs) (laughs) Is that actually what it's called? I don't know. (laughs) It sounds Um, like it. But like, yeah, obviously, like Victoria Paris and like Emily Kaiser, Alex Earl, they make a shit ton of money. It's like insane, crazy money, like $50,000 for one post. But for me, yeah. let's say I make six, let's say an uh, a brand wants to buy a one minute long TikTok that I post on my Instagram feed and they're going to pay me $6,000 for it. It's like, wow, that's going to take me maybe eight to 10 hours to for all the hours combined to work on this one ad. I'm getting $6,000 for 10 hours of work. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's crazy kind of when you think about it in that way. But then also my managers are getting 20% of that taxes there's like 40 percent of that's going to taxes let's say at the end of the day from that ad i'm taking home half of that three thousand dollars i get three thousand dollars in my bank account and then i don't get any more sponsored posts that month so Mm -hmm. then it's like i'm actually back to making my shitty graphic designer salary where i was making three thousand dollars a month and it also takes 30 to 60 days to be paid that three thousand dollars so yeah. then you have so to like, like, space it out. While it seems like $6,000 for one post, holy shit. It's also, but it's that, actually like, well, but they're also paying me to maintain my audience and like they're funding that, my whole month's work worth of work, yeah. honestly. And also seven days a week of work, tw- like mm-hmm. not 24 seven, but like you are working seven days a week most of the time. And so you're getting paid that for all the days of the week and not just mm-hmm. like the breaks. Exactly. And it's for like, um, obviously, so sometimes they pay for exclusivity specifically of like, if we're a fast food brand, you can only work with this fast food brand or whatever. But sometimes if they're not even paying you for exclusivity, it's still just like to your audience, you don't want to promote a different product every single day or they're not going to be as apt to buying those things every single day. So you can't yeah. like have literally 20 sponsorships a month and then be making so, so, so much money because it's like your audience won't, your audience won't like that. You have to have less to make yeah, it's them like, more I can't be interested. using one moisturizer this week and then obsessed yeah. with another moisturizer the next week. Yeah. Like yeah. you're limited. And then these bigger people who are making $50,000 per post, it's almost even more so like they have to stick to the same thing. The other thing too that I always think that people forget is that they might be paying Devin $6,000, but they like are – the company is making X number of dollars because of her post and Mm -hmm. they are saving money. So like they could have spent $20,000 on – a commercial mm-hmm. or something else and they're saving money by working with Devin and for sure probably making you know hopefully three times that on their investment yeah that's also a thing with product exchanges that I like really try to push is like if you're fine doing product exchanges that's totally okay 
But I think a lot of times when they're like, it's a $500 value product, it's like that, it did not cost them $500 to make that product. It maybe costed them $30 or like, I don't know the actual margins, but like, it's not costing the brand the amount of like trade that you're getting. That's not an actual $500 trade. I also think the $500, like whatever it is, like so many people should be charging like a thousand, fifteen hundred. So like you're not really getting the deal because you lost out on like fifteen yeah. hundred or you know, a thousand dollars because you could have charged fifteen hundred or something. Exactly. Um, someone also one of the assumptions is they lie about products they promote. It's usually only because it's a paycheck. Yeah, we got that a lot. I find that interesting because I do think that that can be true to some people mm-hmm. and that's kind of why Especially you can't Especially when you're first starting out. Yeah, like you yeah. can't just be like all influencers are honest and only promote products that they actually want. Like that's not going to be the case. Yeah. Anytime I see a Folgers commercial or like a Folgers ad, I'm like, <laughs> are you really drinking that coffee? There are like obviously so some brands that I would never work with because I hate them. But there are also products that I promoted that I haven't necessarily used a bunch. And there's also times that I've just promoted products for a paycheck back in the day when like that was literally my only option and I was trying to get experience. But now, because I have a large audience, I only want to promote things that I use. And like that's my goal. Like I want to only work with brands that I absolutely love and like would die for. But also sometimes when you're not making enough money that's not your fucking option like you can't always do that because yeah how are you gonna live if you don't make yeah. money i think the other hard thing when it comes to like do they actually like this product or not is sometimes it doesn't necessarily fit as easily into the content or it's like very easily missed like for example I love the Swiffer dusters, but like I don't share a ton of cleaning content. Mm-hmm. So like you're not going to see me using a Swiffer duster like all mm-hmm. the time. Even though but you like, are doing that every day or whatever. Yeah. And I love that specific duster and it's like yeah. my favorite duster and I just like go on and on about it. But like you also don't want to hear that as my audience. You don't want to hear how obsessed I am with the Swiffer duster. Like that's not something you want to hear from me every single day. So I think there's like a balance of certain products that like – I they're paying for a spot for me to specifically feature this and so you're seeing it for like the seemingly first time but it's something I use all the time Mm -hmm. and so that's hard to Uh, kind of convey on a regular basis um the products that you are using all the time yeah that makes sense and you get paid to just make a specific post about them I don't think I've like go ahead (laughs) I think every time that any influencer just posts about a product people assume they're being paid to post about it too yeah like so i feel so being like oh this i'm obsessed with this blush right now people are gonna think like oh rare beauty paid you to say that yeah and tiktok i feel like it's harder to see if a video is sponsored like a lot Mm -hmm. of the times i won't realize a video sponsored until like far into it and i'm like oh Um, you will soon with the new ftc guidelines that literally make you verbally disclose it. Are you serious? Wait, why didn't I hear about this? And you have to start putting ad on the actual video itself. Like why? in text? Yeah. Because the FTC says like all the disclosures are too vague. 
Can you say like I'm working with blah Who blah blah cares? to promote this or something? Um, you don't have to be like, like this is an advertisement paid for. No, you can be like I partnered with this brand to share this <laughs> product with you, but like I partnered with this brand or like I'm doing this with Peloton. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have it's noticed like, that more that there's that going to be. Good. There's gonna be like I think a like a big wave of people adopting it and like brands enforcing it and stuff. Damn, that's hard because I do right. think that that's good. Like as a consumer too, like I want to know, and I yeah. hate as an influencer as well. I hate seeing other people not just close it, and I'm like, well, yeah, you. like I have to. <laughs> I hate that because yeah, because my videos don't do as well. Yeah, that's yeah. But like much. as an influencer, you're only supposed to share products that you really like. So why does it matter if you're being paid or not? Exactly. That's what I was going to say is I don't think I've promoted a product that I don't like or that I wasn't like using or whatever, but I have promoted things that I didn't know about until I started promoting them. Like Ecovacs, for example, like I'd never heard of Ecovacs, but like I love the vacuum now and then I'll continue to be a fan of it, but I didn't hear of them beforehand. So I think maybe that happens a lot or like Britt saying like you are a fan of something, but don't talk about it. Yeah. I also think that's why it's, like, great when influencers can share the products, like, just in their everyday content as much as possible. Because then, like, people just don't even realize it's an ad when it comes up because they're like, oh, I see her use that blush every day. Or, like, in all of her vlogs, I see her tag that blush. So it's like, oh, yeah, like, it makes sense why they're working together. Hmm. Yeah. Someone said, I think it's hard to understand influencers when nobody really shares what it looks like to be one. That's yeah, it's really hard because like how we make the majority of our money doing sponsored posts, but we can't share who the sponsor is that we're working with oh, or whatever until yeah. it's posted. So we can't really share like today I'm working on a perfect bar ad and this that is, is such that a huge part of it. Holy shit. It's that's such a huge part yeah. of it. You can't disclose anything. Yeah. So like even when I like show my to do list, I have to like cover the like apostrophe ad you know like which i think is not smart for brands i think that it i i typically always ask or like usually if it's a longer term partnership more so i'll be like is it fine if i talk about the fact that i'm working with you guys because then that's just extra promotion for me to be like i'm filming this native pet ad today yeah then they're just mentioning it again yeah oh my apostrophe content was just approved oh that's another thing is that (laughs) i think a lot of people Oh, that's good. A lot of people don't know that your content needs approval. I think that is a huge thing that people Yeah, don't that know. was and uh, revisions. So I have mm-hmm. assumptions and then I have questions and some people asked some really good questions and one of okay. them was like, what's the Are there like, any more assumptions you want to finish? Um, attacking assumptions. Yeah. I feel yeah. attacked. But where did this one go? Oh, okay. They are fake. Fake routines set up to film with fake timestamps. Why do you follow me? <laughs> that feels like such an attack. Um, someone said this is not a long-term job. Interesting. For some people, it's probably not. Um, I think that they are wealthy. I think happy. I can understand the fake uh, routines and the fake timestamps because there are so many people who – have a very curated routine. Not I'll definitely change a timestamp, but... to be honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I and I am 
that's the thing I think that's like this whole and also it kind of goes back to that parasocial relationship and like knowing us like exactly. we don't really film every fucking second of the day we film like key moments of the day and you're seeing that stuff and it's made to be aesthetic like that's the whole point of getting out of bed i'm obviously not getting out of bed right now i obviously got out of bed earlier to put this camera social (laughs) issue because people think that they know us but the thing is i'm just creating content to entertain you make you feel happy make you feel good about yourself i don't have to be 100 percent honest but then that goes you know? to them needing to th- right. But then that's like, well, trust I thought we you. were friends, yeah, and to trust you and trust You're your recommendations. Liar. You're fake. Yeah. That's hard. I'm not saying that I fake. Uh, I'm the last person who could be. Imagine if I had like this abundant social life, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I mean, you don't live alone. <laughs> you don't true. live alone. <laughs> it feels like it sometimes, but I don't get the you benefit have a sister of it at home. <laughs> I am the worst situation. You're not I alone. Have someone living in my house that's never really around. Yeah, that would. But messing I would it up. Hate that. Yeah, that's kind of actually the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, someone said they don't read DMs. Is this an attack on me? Maybe. Have to go see. They probably Maybe. have been DMing me, and I haven't been responding. I think it's um, hard to also know, like, just how many. Like, every influencer is different, and like, yeah. DMs can get very overwhelming. Yeah, JC hasn't read it. It's like having like 30,000 text messages. Like, what do you do? I know. And like when you get anxious about – it's like every I, – I don't know what I'm going into when I open a, a message, you know? <laughs> so it might take a lot of concentration or effort or like empathy to respond. I'm not sure yet. I don't know until I open it. But then that once I open it, it says red. So I have to respond, you know? Yeah. So, like, that's why I get anxious about opening, and then I just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's hard because you want people to be engaged and to DM you, but you can't physically reply to every single person. Mm-hmm. Um, influencers won't pay for anything. I would much rather pay for things than, like, ha- be obligated to, like, post about something. Yeah. I think this- I've learned that. Probably the assumption. I think that it is a thing I feel like that people will post like, oh, this influencer asked me for a free tattoo or whatever, where they're not yeah. like respecting I also other think people. That's another thing that like influencers perpetuate is, oh, I just mm-hmm. get this for free or, oh, I'm going to ask for this for free. Mm-hmm. And they're very cavalier about it. So it's like, it's something that we unfortunately perpetuate um, at times. And I think some influencers are worse than others with it. Mm-hmm. But it's never there's no there's no like free lunch there's no it's not for free it's you have to no, do something you for have it. To, and yeah. even if there is a just a, it's a no string no strings attached like they're hoping they would love to yeah. post it and <laughs> sometimes another deal is dependent on if you post so like mm-hmm. they're kind of testing the waters and seeing what you're gonna do i also don't like just getting a bunch of free stuff that i don't need sent to me and, like, I don't understand how influencers that get, like, PR every single day, like, that's just so wasteful to me that brands are, like, sending, like, brands will send every single shade of their foundation to content creators. That is so weird to me. Like, the every I'm, shade of foundation or concealer. Yeah. What? In, like, every lip color that they have. And, like, it's just, like, what do I do with this now? 
I don't even think the influencers like like that. But I also don't understand. Like, I feel like the bigger influencers, they do all the time will say, like, I got sent this. I have no idea how they even knew my address and stuff. And I wonder, like, how does that even work? Because, like, right now, if I get gifted something, I get an email first where they ask for my address. Maybe, like, a PR company that works with multiple brands already had their information. That makes sense. Yeah. Or, like, through their manager or something. Or their manager gave it to them, yeah. Um, someone and there's like people I'm in this group hmm? someone said they regret being an influencer are they still an influencer an or they were that's an assumption oh 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 <laughs> Maybe some I'm people. sure there are people that regret it but I also think that people just go into it not knowing how hard it is so like yeah. it it kind of takes a step back and be like oh it is also kind of like putting a sex tape up in a sense of like once you put the things online, like the, it does live online forever. Like once you try influencing, you can't really that like delete it all. Me to think of, <laughs> yeah, like if we, we were to try to get an office job after this, they would look at all of our shit. Someone said they do fake things for content. How can you do? You have to actually do it. I think people do content. things for content. Yes, but I, I think, think people do things for content, but it's something I to do share. everything for content. Yeah. It's more like part of the thing. It motivates me to do things. People like, do oh, things. If I can make a video, then I'll do it. People do things in life for content. If they're not filming it, they do things to get the stories to tell other people yeah. or for their do own Do it for life. the vine. Yeah, do it for the vine. Do it for the story. Do it for the plot. I love exactly. Serena Kerrigan's Do It For The Plot. That you have it all together. Fuck no. They don't do anything of value to contribute to society in a meaningful way. Why do they have to? Who else? Does everybody <sighs> fucking contribute to society in a meaningful way? No. And that's a horrible standard that everybody thinks that they have to like make a difference and make an impact on the world. And if they don't, they're not worth worthy and men think that we should be Rolling having up children. <laughs> men are like, you're not contributing to society in a meaningful way. Go get married and have kids. Go clean the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you can contribute. Yeah. No, that's very true. I never actually thought of it like that. That makes a lot of sense. And it's like. disappointing comment. When we're talking about the <sighs> business thing and how it is dominated by women and stuff. I forget if I said this in the last episode, that women weren't allowed to get a business loan until 1985. <gasps> That's insane. What? Holy like, shit. Like, my mom couldn't get a credit card until, like, she was older. Like, she was not young. You needed the permission of your husband or your parents. Like, so it's like we're just so behind even mm-hmm. now. That it's like we're just yeah. catching up building our businesses. Guys had hundreds of years to build businesses. Mm-hmm. And they had hundreds of years to fail and like figure it out and yeah. figure out like how to turn it around and be successful. Okay, I was going to move on to the questions. Okay. So I didn't pick any out, so I just have a bunch. So let me see. The other assumption was just that it was like that it's based in consumerism a lot, which I is That's like a what hard I hate struggle. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to my manager about LTK and she has like a love hate relationship with it too, which is nice. But she's saying like, 
I mean, the fact that you have to like post products three times a day and you have to constantly be buying new shit because like even the things that I bought two weeks ago, they're going to be sold out. So I can't link them on my LTK anymore because nobody's going to buy it. and I'm not going to get any money from it. And it's just like this cycle of consumerism that I don't like you need people to buy things to be successful in a sense it's kind Mm -hmm. of like fucking door-to-door sales like you need to show proof that people are actually buying from you that's like i think amazon and influencers have a i maybe not a hard time but like they have to constantly be buying new shit in order to like create new content or like find new gadgets and things i give so many props to people who are posting ltk like the screenshots of like all the products every single day like how how are you even having time to make that and link every single thing it's like wild some people are so good at affiliate marketing there's a there's a whole business um that's dedicated to supporting ltk influencers like creating their graphics linking stuff it's like all based in their like affiliate program i forgot where i read that or like um learned about that it's somebody's entire business they have like an agency that does that is that so crazy claudia one time from the toast she said she posted like her spanx leggings and made like ten thousand dollars off of one link one time which is so wild that's insane yeah and like that's not typical Mm-mm. unless you're really really big like i'm sure danny austin's making bank from affiliate yeah. marketing but danny austin also has a whole too. team mm-hmm. i think danny Which austin is have. somebody that does a good job of showing kind of more of the behind the scenes or just showing that she has a whole too. team and a, it, that it is a business like yeah oh another thing that legitimizes this forbes is covering influencer marketing oh. and putting them in 30 under 30 and oh true I really think it's the female-led centered thing that makes it not legitimate. I really think and young, and that it's like you age Mm -hmm. out. People think that you age out of it, and like that's the same with girls of beauty pageants or modeling or acting or whatever the fuck. It's like you're gonna get too old, and then you're not gonna be able to do it anymore. Like it's not a long-lasting career. No, men's ages don't even matter. People say they just get hotter. Uh-huh. This um leads into the this segues into this question. How do you see it as a sustainable career that will last you for years into your future? I was just thinking about this in the car. Hmm. What were um, your thoughts? My thoughts. I think that it's so important to be like adapt all the time and mm-hmm. be ready to pivot and try new things. And I think there was like this huge shift when like reels came out when people were like oh my god blah, 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 like all complaining and shit mm-hmm. and you just have to constantly like be ready to evolve and try new things and adapt and the people that are like stuck in and i also think it's a mindset shift too where people are like i want to be successful if you're constantly chasing like this i need to master this thing you're gonna have like a rude awakening every like three, six, nine, 12 months when some shit sort of changes Mm -hmm. and there's a new trend and you have to try something new. So like if you're constantly trying to master the success of social media or whatever, you're going to fail every single time. But if you're like constantly trying to like 
adapt and change and evolve and like, you know, work towards that and like work with the changing times, then you can continue to be successful. But yeah, there's just constantly going to be new trends. There's going to be constantly like new interests and things that work and don't work. And it's like, are you keeping up with it? Or are you just like trying to maintain and, you know, you're 10 steps behind everybody else? I've been doing this for four years and not one year has it been the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every year I've had to adapt and change and I'm growing like I started a newsletter and I'm hoping to one day start a website which can be a resource for people and like just continuing to grow in that way. But also five years ago, I didn't know that I was going to be a full-time influencer. So you mm-hmm. kind of just have to go where the wind takes you in this career. Like maybe I'll write a book. Maybe I'll, you know, it, you never know. You kind of have start to start a podcast. And and, yeah. Which never would have thought I would like, start a podcast. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like as a like consumer, I've watched so many people on the internet and there's some people who stick around for a year or two and it's like a quick thing and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. There's some people who have 10 plus year long careers and really stick with it. And I think like you're saying, Dev, of the money being so up and down and one month you can make $20,000 and one month you can make zero. It can really be like that, even in terms of like your fans and making money mm-hmm. as well. So like sometimes influencers for a year or two might not be might only be losing followers, might be making less money, might be like experiencing a down for literally a year or two years or more than that. But then like there's always waves of going up and down mm-hmm. and adjusting to the trends like you're saying and moving along and doing like more things. I think that's people who are around a long time always have another thing, whether that's like a book or another part of their business or a show mm-hmm. or a podcast or whatever. There's always like a second part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also about being open-minded and like able to try new things because if you're like yeah. – oh, I'm not going to try that TikTok thing. That TikTok thing is weird. Like why are – you know, they're just dancing on there or whatever. Like you're so closed-minded. You're not even like seeing the potential and the opportunity. And the same thing with all the people that were like, I don't want to post reels. Like why do I have to learn learn how to do video? Like I still hear people saying that and I'm like, That's it's crazy. not even about the fact that you don't want to practice video. You're just not willing to try different things and adapt with the times. And And that's what social media is. Like, it's always going to be changing. It's never going to be the same or the same platform. So get on board or get off and, like, stay where you are at. Yeah. Like, to me, Trisha Paytas is, like, the all-time moving with the flow and staying relevant. And she – I think it's also that people have, like, a core audience almost of a smaller group. So, like, say you have a million followers, but, like, a 100,000 of those people are, like – your actual engaged core. audience, your core following. Mm-hmm. So like there might be years where you only have those 100,000 people and you're not growing and getting all these extra things. But then there's other years where you do other things and then you get a whole new audience and that you didn't know of. Or maybe – because also your life changes. When you're documenting your life, your life and the content you're sharing will change. You might be in college. You might have a mm-hmm. job. You might be getting married. You might be flipping a house, whatever your content will shift based on what is going on in your life and your audience will grow and their lives change as well. Um, Someone said, who do you answer to about your content? Into that, I say no one. That's interesting. Um, Like people are wondering like when we create our videos and photos and stuff that we post, 
is there anyone who has to like approve it or do we ask anyone about ideas or anything? And for me, it's all just what I think is going to work. My managers don't even, I mean, they help me with ideas sometimes, which I typically don't even take because I really have to just follow my own intuition. The only content that I'm answering to people about are the sponsored posts. And those you have to, usually the brand will hire you and then you send them your concept idea. They'll approve the concept and then you have to send them your caption and your that's my least favorite Script part is the and caption. Your video. Yeah, me too. I hate like you like get the video all done and you're like, oh, thank you, finally. And then you're like, oh, I'm like, shit. fuck. <laughs> read the I caption. Write the fucking caption. Yeah. Then they approve that. They send you edits. You make changes. That stuff is very controlled. But other than that, because I, I think to some degree, there's, you know, like there's some things that you won't say on the internet. So you are like answering to like your audience to some degree. Mm-hmm. I was just going like, to say that. Wanna, you don't want to answer to my audience. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for the most part, it's still about like your preference. Is that answering stuff. to your audience though or like to your personal boundaries? What do you mean saying things? Hmm. Like of tailoring what they want, like tailoring your content to what they'll like or like not sharing things about your life that – I mean, tailoring That's to what very... they want and like, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I feel like I've but gotten I think in stages does... of doing that and not. Yeah, I think to some degree, though, that like to an there's that does kind of play a line of like boundaries versus what they want or don't want. But yeah, you can post whatever you want. And people people do that all differently is the thing. Like that's why like, when we're answering questions about influencing and stuff, it will vary so differently per person. Like some people will film a month's worth of content and one day edit that all or have oh somebody God. else edit it and schedule it. Like I, I don't saw this that. freaking girl post a TikTok say that she edits between fifteen to twenty videos a day. I was like, I don't know how that's possible. That's gonna make me kill don't myself. Don't say that because yeah, you're making me feel like shit. How the fuck? That was really annoying. I was like, please don't say that. Um, but also another 15 to 20 i yeah that's what she said are they like stills of one b-roll shot with some i have no fucking clue crazy um but also like sometimes you're kind of catering your videos to sponsors that you want to attract as well Mm -hmm. like you have to look good for brands that you want to work with you know so you kind of have to like keep them in mind like, for example, I want to well. post more home content or wedding content yeah. to be able to work with more home or wedding brands. Yeah. Or if you want skincare brands, you got to be posting your skincare. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of questions about, like, how to get started and stuff, but I don't really think this episode's about that. We could do a different one for the how to get started questions. Yeah, that'd be we should redo that because, like, that was one of our very first episodes when we kind of mm-hmm. talked more about us getting into it and how you can get into it. But if we were just to give general advice immediately, it's literally just start, just start making videos, just start filming, just start taking pictures and posting them. Some people are worried about like friends and family seeing them. Yes. Into that, I would say make an account and like block them at first. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
And don't check who's looking at your that. things. Like, don't don't look at your likes and look who all liked it. Don't look at your story views and look at every single person who viewed your story. Like, you can see the number, yeah. but don't inspect things further. Yeah, you kind of have to, for your mental health, see it, see everyone as like a collective audience. Them. Like, mm-hmm. you can't think about each individual person that you're talking to. Or you make an ideal audience person of like in your mind be like, I'm making up Maddie's a 22 year old girl and she has a dog and she has bad anxiety and I'm posting my content for this girl. Yeah, that could be helpful. I think playing around a lot and figuring out what you like and what you can like consistently keep creating. Yeah. Is so important too. For sure. And because that's how you'll be the most successful. Yeah. What works best for you. Because if you struggle to create content and it's like a chore, it just becomes very like overwhelming and you won't like it. That is the other thing is I think people want to be an influencer or whatever because they perceive us as having a lot of money or getting a lot of free things or whatever. But it's like if you don't like the actual job responsibilities that go into it, then you won't like the job. Like if you're not Mm -hmm. somebody who enjoys – talking a lot and is able to share things about your life if you don't like editing if you don't like writing if you don't like storytelling like emailing there's so many things that will be like oh actually I don't want to do this job yeah but people think they want to yeah because again you see people today on my to-do list I'm going to target and then I'm getting a facial and then I'm going to edit this video and that's it that's my most unexpected is emailing. I think I did not realize how yeah. much emailing is a thing and how much negotiating is like back and forth and can take weeks. Oh, yeah. I was going to say like currently I my manager just accepted an offer from a brand who reached out initially a whole month ago. Mm. and so they just accepted the offer and now they have to go back to their client and let them know so like these collaborations also take a lot of negotiation a lot of back and forth emailing a lot of time there's like some that took like four months to sign just working on one that's now like six plus months and it's like you have to be in it you can't just be like oh Okay, whatever. Like, it takes so much. And you always have to, like, reach back out and keep following up because the brands are busy and, like, yeah, it's a lot. And you have to be so organized because each thing will be at a different place. Like, at one point, you might be negotiating with three different brands, but you're emailing this other person. You're writing a concept for this one. You need to film this Mm -hmm. one. You have to send the analytics for this other one. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of steps, and then you have to keep it organized where you're at in each one. But I think like the best part of it is the freedom in working for yourself. And I would never go back. Like I am so lucky that I get to do this. Like because it's hard to build a following. Even now, like I'm trying to be like, you know, like Emily Kaiser level and I'm not. And it's like frustrating because it's hard to try to build and become like this successful, rich influencer. But like to get to like the next level. Mm hmm. Oh, somebody still. Somebody asked 
one, how many like hours do we think that we actually spend working and also how long it takes on average to like edit a video and post it, film, edit and post. Well, they're all different. Yeah, that's like so hard because it depends like on the type of content. I would say like at least four to six hours if like we're talking about a brand collab, if not more than that, of like planning it out, emailing, shooting it, editing. Yeah. Maybe even up to I think like it 10. probably takes me like for a TikTok video, like maybe an hour to like edit it. But there's a lot of work going into like creating the clips and organizing it and writing a script if there is one and finding the music and coming up with the idea mm-hmm. and shooting everything I also that think I need to shoot. It's really hard too when if you like have a vision of like how it's gonna go at first and then you like put the clips together and then yes. you have to like mm-hmm. go back and like make changes or like even like text things. I think text is such a pain in the ass to like figure out and like like okay this headline looks different or like oh i this you know this i need a better hook or i need like a better intro or whatever Mm -hmm. it is i think there's a lot of like minor details that take a lot more time and effort for sure yeah any other ones uh there are a lot but i think we talked about a lot of stuff already we could definitely do another episode on this and maybe like re-go over our own journeys and everything and kind of how things have developed and changed for us as well okay well if you have any more questions feel free to use our google form it's always linked in our bio on instagram and you can leave us any questions or comments anonymously i'm tired and i have a headache from these (laughs) headphones i know that starts to happen to me on double episodes my ears hurt after that's bad okay make sure you are subscribed to us on youtube we post the video version of our podcast every week you can also watch the video version on spotify leave us a rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts follow us on instagram join our facebook community and we'll see you next week bye bye bye